I hope you all had a good week. Um, I don't know, maybe you enjoyed our first uh, family movie night this past Friday night. I, I trust you were here for that, and, and it, was a, it was a great night, and, and we've got two more coming in July and August, so great opportunity for you to invite uh, your neighbors and friends to, to be there for that. So, so plan on that more to come. And, and I don't know if this week you had the opportunity to check out the day old section at Wegmans or Weiss. Some of, some of you for last week will remember that one. And if you don't, uh, you'll have to listen to the tape, right? Um, but anyway, a quick review, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. And now about food sacrifice to idols. And as we continue on in our study in 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul is beginning a new topic. And of course, he's continuing on. That now about uh, is an indication that he's continuing to respond to back to verse 1 of chapter 7, which was uh, the matters that you wrote about. The first six chapters, Paul dealt with issues that the household of Chloe had brought up, had, had told him about, had gotten word to him about things that he needed to be concerned about. And then in chapter 7, he begins to respond to a letter that we don't have, a note we, we know of, and, and can only uh, understand what that was about by the way Paul responds. And so the next thing in line there was now about food sacrificed to idols. And as we mentioned, the culture in the city at Corinth included the worship of idols. Idol worship involved uh, offering animal sacrifices in the pagan temples to those idols. And it was uh, then the extra meat, there were leftovers. And that leftover meat was taken uh, by the pagan priests as well as the people that brought the sacrifice to offer to the idols. And uh, it was taken home to eat or sold in the marketplace. And uh, there were times too, and as we look at... Uh, Chapter, or chapter 8, verse 10, that it could be eaten socially in an idol's temple. And we haven't dealt with that at this point that much, but the idea that it was meat that had been offered to idols, and uh, is it okay to eat that leftover meat? That's the question. These new believers, new followers of Jesus, is it okay to eat this leftover meat that was sacrificed to idols, to buy it, to take it into your home? Or is that idolatry and it should not be partaken of? Well, Paul is attempting to deal with that. And so in verse 1, he continues on. He says, we know that we all possess knowledge. And here we know that we all possess knowledge. Now, what was that knowledge? I'll get to that in a minute. But knowledge is a good thing. Knowledge is a necessary thing. Knowledge should give us as individual believers uh, direction. It should help us get answers for life's questions. It should give us understanding to know how God expects us to live. The knowledge of one God, that's the knowledge that he was referring to in verse 4. The knowledge that there is one God, that these idols were nothing. They weren't real gods, despite the fact that people worshiped them. Yes, that was the real part of them, but they weren't real gods. There is one and only one God. And when we have that knowledge, it should help us worship God. It should help us serve God. When you hear 
Uh, Nate stand up here and talk about Mission Scranton and you know the one true God and the the need of people to know him. Our hearts ought to be moved. We ought to be ready to, oh, man, I, I know that God, and I, and I need to tell others about that God. So it ought to cause us to serve. It ought to cause us to love others. Why? Because we know that God is love. It ought to cause us to, to have more faith. It ought to cause us to live better lives for God. It should set us apart as followers of God. Listen, the more we know the more godly we should be, or the godlier. I'm still not sure which is the right way. My uh, spell check kept changing it to godlier, and and, uh, okay, maybe some English teacher here will have to really tell me, and maybe it's one of those things that the internet has changed, I don't know. But you you get my drift. Let me say it this way. The more we know, the more like Jesus we ought to be. We get all that knowledge. We get all that truth right here. But if it doesn't change our lives, what good is it? That's the difference in the wise man and the foolish man. We've talked about that over and over and over again. But, but, and I do so because I believe the church is becoming more focused on knowledge and less focused on obedience to that knowledge. And as time moves on, we have less and less, fewer and fewer people who are involved in the things that the knowledge of God ought to tell them is true and therefore change their lives. That's what Paul's talking about. He goes on and he says, but with all that knowledge, he says, knowledge puffs up. You see, there's a problem with knowledge. Oh yeah, we need it. It ought to change our lives. But he said, knowledge puffs up. Knowledge used wrongly causes pride. It develops arrogance. it's, It's the understanding that I know. I have a lot of information. That's great. We can win the game of Bible trivia pursuit, right? But, but that doesn't mean that we're obedient. And that's the warning. Knowledge puffs up. And, and verse 2, it's, it's you think you know more than you do. Those who think they know something do not know as they, they ought to know. And, and those with this kind of knowledge, this prideful, arrogant knowledge, the way they live it out, They act in a way as a result that does not endear them to people. You know, have you known anybody like that? Who has that kind of a know-it-all attitude? You know, the guy that stands at the water cooler in the office or wherever else and and has all the answers and, and typically doesn't endear himself to everybody. Knowledge puffs up. And remember, 1 Corinthians is a corrective letter. And Paul is seeking to do correcting here in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And so verse 4, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one God. Paul is saying that. That's the knowledge. That's what we know. We don't have to worry about these idols because meat offered to idols isn't legit. Those idols don't exist. They aren't gods. There is one God. And so as he's going through the text here, he's basically saying that we know that there are no other gods, despite the fact that some people worship idols, that's insignificant compared to the one, the only God that we know, the true God. Therefore, with that knowledge, it's like, okay, let's eat. That's what he's saying, all right? Let's eat. 
It doesn't matter because idols aren't real gods. You see, in this case, knowledge leads to freedom. The freedom to eat that meat. Why? Because even though it's offered to idols, they are no gods. But he's not done. Because verse 7 of chapter 8, not everyone possesses this knowledge. What? Not everybody understands that even though those idols are viewed by some as gods who are worshipped with sacrifices as gods, they don't get it. And, and, and even though they would know God, or Paul wouldn't be writing to them as brothers and sisters, uh, the concern there is that he says, verse 7, some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a God. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat or no better if we do. Again, it doesn't matter except for the fact that there are those that are still struggling with it. New believers. Those who he says here as he moves on, verse, uh, uh, their conscience is weak. And that's the concern. So the answer, that knowledge, which then would mean for some, they shouldn't eat that meat offered to idols. Because they, they have a weak conscience and they would be violating their own conscience and they would sin as a result. And so Paul is saying, then don't eat it. You say, wait a minute, you just said he said it was all right to eat it. Yes. He also says, don't eat it. Why? Because it's that individual and the knowledge they have and how it affects their conscience or doesn't affect their conscience that determines whether or not. So yes, Paul is saying there are some of you who eat up, enjoy. There are others that he's saying, your conscience is weak. You're concerned about this. This is a question. You don't have the freedom. You don't have the right in your own heart. Do not eat that. So some yes, some no. But wait, there's more. Paul has to say. Even saying to those who, who could eat the meat offered to idols. Because we get to verse 9. He says, be careful then, however... That the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. That we don't cause them to trip up and fall and sin. And then he says, for if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother, verse 11, or sister, for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and, would, and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Here it is. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, even though it is perfectly okay for me to eat it. But if it calls, causes my brother or sister with the weak conscience that doesn't feel comfortable with eating that meat offered to idols, then I won't eat it. And that's what Paul says. He says, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. And that's not Paul's admission that he's going to be a vegetarian. Some, somebody may have, ah, see? 
there you go. No, that's not what he's talking about. Then I'll never eat that meat offered to idols again. Because I don't want to cause my brother or sister to fall into sin. Knowledge leads to freedom. That's what Paul is saying. Freedom to eat the meat. But knowledge may also, because of love, because of our concern for our brother or sister, love may lead you to sacrifice that freedom. Did you get that? Yeah, knowledge leads to freedom. But love may lead you to sacrifice that freedom. And that's why Paul said at the end of verse 1 when he said, knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Keep that in mind. Love may lead you to sacrifice your freedom. Wow. That could be a hard one. And whatever those topics may be, I mean, I grew up in the day and age, as some of you folks did, that, that going to movies was one of those things that you didn't do, but a lot of believers were, hey, what's the deal? I'm, I'm being careful with what I allow to enter my mind, and some of it's no different than television. I mean, I could go through all the arguments on both sides, right? Are you willing to give up your freedom to go to a movie because you love your brother and sister who might be offended?